To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch buck? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? I've got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So today on the podcast, I have on Chris Toomey. So Chris had an epic 2021 season, uh, harvested this, this giant velvet muley uh, out of Colorado, and then um, harvested this giant bull. And so he had this epic season, so I thought I'd get him on the podcast, and um, interesting getting to know Chris. So Chris came from a uh, whitetail part of the country, I can't remember exactly if he's from Midwest or East Coast or somewhere there, um, and moved out West uh, to come chase to, uh, Western big game animals, and and uh, he's always been all in and building points and learning about the West, but uh, finally moved out and moved to Colorado and um, just went all in on Western hunting. And uh, interesting to hear uh, some of the tactics he used. Uh, a lot of it's like outside-the-box tactics, um, especially for his mule deer. And so made for an interesting conversation. Uh, really enjoyed it. I think you guys will enjoy it too. I want to thank my sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Savage Arms. Uh, Savage builds the best out-of-the-box accuracy rifles that, that I've ever had my hands on. The groups that come out of these guns are just amazing. Um, so they have a bunch of different models that you can choose from. Um, uh, some that uh, have great value and that are affordable, like around that, that $700 mark. And then they also have, uh, like our favorite pick over at Eastman's is like the 110 Ultralight. It's just amazing rifles. Um, so these things, they have an Accu stock, uh, so you can adjust the comb height, the length of pole uh, to really make that gun fit you. They also have an Accu trigger where you can adjust, adjust the pull of the trigger anywhere from one pound to four pounds. Um, so they're highly adjustable, and uh, they just show up and are super accurate. So this uh, 110 Ultralight comes in a bunch of different calibers. Uh, it weighs under six pounds, uh, 5.8 pounds for the rifle. So... Uh, Great for mountain hunting and uh, getting after it and doing all that type of hunting that us guys enjoy. Um, so I'm really impressed by Savage, the groups I got. Uh, I built up a 6.5 Creedmoor I'm super impressed with. And I have uh, my girls shooting these. I have my dad shooting these. Uh, they just build great rifles. So if you're in the, the market for a new rifle, uh, make sure to go check them out over at Savage Arms. I also want to thank High Mountain Seasoning. High Mountain Seasoning has been a sponsor at Eastman's Elevated for a handful of years now. Uh, really enjoy these guys. They have absolutely everything for your wild game needs. So um, I make my jerky every year and use their jerky seasonings. Uh, they have a bunch of different flavors. I really like the teriyaki, the original. They have a three pepper. A, a bunch of different choices here that just make great flavor for jerky. They also have steak marinades. Uh, they have everything for snack sticks, for summer sausage, uh, just a bunch of great products there that um, I absolutely love that help keep me alive throughout hunting season. Like jerky is the best snack you can get, and they have the best seasonings out there. So if you're in the market for anything for your wild game needs, make sure to check out High Mountain Seasonings. Over at Eastman's, we're cruising along here. Got a bunch of... of uh, Writing projects I'm working on for Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, so super excited about that. Uh, love writing for these magazines, and, and they're just a great resource for Western hunting. They have that MRS section in the back uh, that really gets you educated on Western states, what opportunities are available. Uh, love the staff articles, and then also the subscriber stories are great. Um, you know, guys like you and I that are out there working hard to get it done, so you can get both magazines for $50 and a free Outdoor Edge knife if you put in the promo code ELEVATED321. And um, got some Beyond the Grids dropping. That's our internet TV show. Uh, I actually heard last night, I haven't checked it out for myself, but uh, got a message last night that uh, Buddy had watched uh, a High Country episode that me and my buddy Dan Hebron put together. It uh, should be a, a great episode, bunch of adventure there, a lot of backpacking, and, um, you know, we... Had to show true grit to uh, get it done in that place. So it uh, uh, should be a, a good episode. You can find that on uh, YouTube. Just search uh, uh, Beyond the Grid or Eastman's Hunting TV and that'll pop up. 
Uh, also have some some great episodes. I know that episode did drop on the Outdoor Channel on Eastman's Hunting TV, so set your DVR to that. We have episodes that come out there as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, make sure to check out our, our internet resource tool, uh, Eastman's Tag Hub. I believe there's a, com- a promo code you can put in, Brian. Um, they're, they're really bringing me in the folds on, on this um, asking for my advice and how they can improve and involve things. Uh, I've been using this program now. It just keeps getting better. Um, so, uh, you can, you can punch in, I believe I still have a promo code Brian for that. That'll save you a little money on tag hub. It's also a premium subscription. So you get, um, uh, access to, uh, some sponsor deals, some promo codes there to save a little money. Uh, it'll also give you the the beyond the grid the internet TV shows it gives you those I believe a month early there it they drop on on that uh, you can also watch the the Eastman's hunting TV episodes uh, there's a bunch of perks and benefits to this elite membership uh, through tag hub and then of course you get the internet research tool which you're able to um, go through and and uh, dissect and figure out states and figure out units and where you're going to be applying for odds uh, success uh, percentages three-year success percentages um, it, there's just there's so much data in there that you can sort through to figure out where the best opportunities out west are uh, I'm actually going to have a, a landing page for this um, as I get more involved so I'll give that to you as um uh, as, as things progress here, but, um, an awesome program and, uh, really liking it. So make sure to check that out. Eastman's tag hub. And, um, with that, man, um, yeah, getting in my runs, um, getting this bow absolutely dialed, just getting excited for season, starting to plan out my hunts and where I'm going to go. Um, man, a little sad. I missed, um, January down in the desert down there. Uh, but, uh, just wasn't in the cards this year. I hunted so hard during season that, um, had to had to get back, get some work done, and get some uh, be responsible. So I had to had to get some things done around here. So uh, missed out on that hunt, but I got to make sure that I never miss it again. Uh, love being down in the desert, soaking in some heat. So hopefully you guys had some fun down there. Been seeing some good bucks come out of that country. Uh, so way to work, guys! And um, yeah, hopefully you got down there, and hopefully you're planning your new year full of hunts. Uh, it's going to be a good year. So um, thanks for listening in, guys. Let's get into this podcast. So Chris Toomey, I'm Brian Barney, your host of Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right, I'm live here. I've got Chris Toomey. So um, Chris, uh, he moved out west uh, a couple years ago, and and um, this year just had an absolute dream season uh, with a great buck and a great bull. So cr- congratulations, Chris. Thanks for joining me. Oh, absolutely, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's a real honor to be on your podcast, man. Man, you killed it. Like, uh, what a great bull and a great buck. Like, um, uh, putting in the work to to find that kind of success, um, you know, this early in your Western hunting career is amazing. Yeah, dude, thank you so much. And you said it was a dream year. Um, An elk and a bull in the first week of archery season, and then, you know, even even better, man. I got to take my wife to see her shoot her first mule deer, and one of my buddies that's not doing so hot with some 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 cancer treatment right now shot his first elk. So you know when I look back on it, yeah, arch the archery season was lights out. But you know, being with some other people uh, that got to harvest their first animals, dude, that was uh, unforgettable. Unforgettable. Great season, though. Yeah, absolutely. Man, a, a lot of enjoyment comes from like sharing in other people's enjoyment, like pulling for their success. Um, like your buddy with um, uh, going through cancer treatments. Man, you gotta um, like like nothing in life is guaranteed, and we don't all get like a fair shake or a, a fail a fair deal. Like, um, man, what a tough thing to go through. And and you want to talk about being mentally tough, like to make it through something like that, to have to go through the treatment or with your own mortality on the line, especially like with the family and things like, dude, I just can't imagine. Oh man. And, and, and to be a part of that, like one of my best buddies, man, he's, and he's fighting through it and, 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 and that's heading in an awesome direction for him. But better yet, man, he got to cash in on a seven point bull in Colorado. That was just not only his first, but a great bull. And we were all together as friends. And it was just, uh, it was just 
too much excitement, super proud moment for him. And like I said, unforgettable, man. Great, great, great time. Yeah, and it seems like the the people that make it through the other side of that deal, like I've got a, a buddy right now that's going through like some tough times, um, you know, with his health and things. But um, it seems like uh, uh, it, it seems like they just enjoy life, like they really soak it in. Like after making it through something like that, that's so difficult or so tough, uh, it, it just seems like they're enjoying life to the fullest. So it had to be so fun to like be part of that hunt where he cashed in those points and then was successful on that deal. Man, he had to be cloud nine. Cloud nine, no doubt. Yeah. So his uh, his his cancer doctor obviously doesn't want him drinking, but that was throughout his only. Um, uh, experience in, in chemo, he, we, we, we definitely did have a shot of whiskey there. So that, that was my fault. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, it's like, uh, sometimes like the, the stress of things or to be able to let go or let loose or really enjoy yourself is, is like gonna, gonna benefit you more than like following all the rules all the time, but good for him, man. Good for you guys. That's awesome. So, uh, you live in Colorado now, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. Ah, oh, what a great we, move uh, for you! And and where'd you move from? So, uh, born born and raised in Pennsylvania. Um, my wife and I uh, spent about every season um, dreaming about vacationing in the Rockies. <laughs> so, you know, springtime we're we're thinking about you know uh, post runoff, uh, you know summer, you know the hopper fishing, you know fall, you know fall we're we're thinking about bow hunting and. I'm lucky to have a wife that's an outdoors uh, outdoorsman and uh, experience all that stuff with uh, with me, and she snowboards. So you know, we're just like, let's do it, man. So we we kind of uh, we we kind of quit our jobs and and made the move, and and a very uh, awesome season of life that we're in, and we're really uh, maximizing you know our our free time and really enjoying ourselves. It's been a good move. Man, that is amazing. Like, it's so tough to take the leap. Like, um, you know, like, like to, to have dreams and to have ambitions is one thing. And you think, well, we'll, we'll go on vacation. We'll go out there and go fly fish in the summer and I'll get out on a, on a Western elk hunt or whatever. But to, to make the commitment and say, no, we're going to quit our jobs and we're going to move across the country and we're going to make new routes and you're leaving family and friends and everything you've known for your entire life. Like, um, that is really difficult to do like uh it, it takes commitment and making up your mind and 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 like a good adventure partner just like you stated in your wife you know it sounds like she's all in but um good for you guys uh, uh to take the leap and to move out west and um you're enjoying it huh oh man without a doubt i mean we're <laughs> i mean i'm a i you know I, I i'm a bow hunter and a fly fisherman through and through and um you know we don't have kids and you know, it's always uh, maybe next year conversation. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're, we're enjoying ourselves, man. We're blessed. We're blessed to have jobs to be able to do what we're doing and, and enjoying the weekends and as much we can out here for sure. Yeah. Good. Well, um, so, so hunting in Pennsylvania, you probably did like a lot of whitetail hunting, which is like the ultimate chess match. Like how did you, uh, prepare yourself for hunting out west like uh, you mentioned like that high elevation you guys are living at now which is great to to acclimate at but like how did you prepare yourself for like coming out west and embarking on western hunting like it had to be intimidating at first oh absolutely it's um it's daunting um you know being from pennsylvania and laying your eyes on the mountains for the first time it's it's overwhelming. I mean, it's like, you know, like what you read about in the frontiersman books where they're just like a whole new world. It's like, where do you start? I mean, you want to fish every single river. You want to get in every piece of forest there is, but, um, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely have to, um, yeah, it, you got to slow yourself down, um, find a little, find a place that you like and enjoy, and you're not going to conquer it all in one day or one year or one lifetime. It's so huge. And, and, and that's what I came to realize is like, I found a little piece of river that I like. I find, I find a section of woods or a particular species you want to chase and really focus in on that area and try to master it. And, and that's where you're going to get some better experiences. Um, but, um, I, I think to rewind a little bit, um, man, I always knew that I wanted to Western hunt. I've been, you know, watching those VHSs and DVDs when I was in 
you know, middle school or whatever, and like just being so amazed by elk and sheep hunting and, and those things. And, and it wasn't until like maybe, I don't know, like 2014, I think roughly, um, I, I started studying up and, and looking at every different state's application um, uh, periods in, in, in the draws. And um, back then, I, I don't even know if a lot of the, um, the, the, the application strategy platforms were really even out in 2014, but I just made up a, you know, pretty simple spreadsheet and in, in, in my world, I, you know, I do Arizona, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, but I made a little spreadsheet and had some columns with the application start and end dates, um, the, the, the cost associated with for budget purposes. And then I just made a whole bunch of columns for each year. And, uh, that was just kind of keeping track of the, uh, the different points that I had accumulated. So that had really set me up for success, um, in, today's world um you know i'm sitting at you know seven preference points for every for, for a lot of the species in every one of those states so man I, I guess my my hot tip is you know if you have listeners that are are tuned in and maybe are planning to hunt in the future think about that um you know get getting some preference points now um for the future for maybe some higher quality experiences um, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that was a big part of, uh, I guess where I'm at today and, and what I'm doing. Man, it's, um, it's so true. That's so smart of you. Like, uh, just immersing yourself in the Western hunting culture before you ever moved out, learning the state systems and how they work and how the draws work, how the, the, the points accumulate or how they draw those tags. And then, you know, we can do just so much from, uh, our home base, whether that's uh, uh, e-scouting, uh, whether that's uh, uh, looking into units and and um, uh, the qualities of those units and the points it takes, and, and and you're right, like when you when you start to make a five-year plan or when you start to make a a, a long-term plan, you know, then you're able to save some points in some states and be more aggressive in other states. Like now that you live in Colorado, you know, you probably want to hunt Colorado every year. And, um, Absolutely. so, so yep. just like, like making this strategy and diving in and learning. And then it's like, um, you know, spending that time on those maps just pays dividends down the road. And I know like a lot of my research into tags and things, when I'm looking at applying for a tag, I'm pretty much breaking down that unit and making sure, you know, it fits my preferences. It's the right terrain I like, uh, the right elevation. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of trying to figure out how I'm going to hunt that unit before I ever apply for it. But but you need to spend time, like, learning those systems and learning those units and figuring out where you're going to go. And, and um, you know, I hunt a lot of uh, zero to three-point units, you know, but – there, mm -hmm. there, it is such a difference from an over-the-counter or zero-point unit to when you can step into a unit that does take two, three, four points, five points, six, seven points. And you can see that when you start looking through the statistics. You know, you can look at the how many bow hunters were successful, how many rifle hunters were successful, how many, you know, these state game agencies have a, a plethora of information on there. And a lot of them will tell you, you know, how many were even six-point bulls or how many were four-point bucks or uh, doe to buck ratios there's so much information out there and like um when i first started uh like you like uh you know, i first started you know traveling around the west and hunting different states like probably 2005 and or so 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 there wasn't as much information out there but that there was enough to dive into to figure it out and get a sense of it and now it's like I'm still putting in that time. I just keep evolving. My my knowledge keeps growing in all these states. And now in every western state, I've hunted multiple units and multiple species. And so you just continue to learn and continue to progress. But there's a lot of good locations out there. Um, so I, I just think that's so important what you were stating, like learning these states that you're interested in and investing in your future. And it is a lot of money and a commitment to send, you know, 
uh, like be on a blue collar budget and to be applying in six states, you know, it, it takes some planning and, um, you know, you, you definitely have to commit yourself to it, but in the end, like it, it just turns, it makes for a quality experience in the future to be able to draw some of these places and plan ahead like that, because yeah, you only get one point per year, you know, you apply for it. So, you know, it, it does take a handful of years before you can even hunt that spot. Yeah, without a doubt. And if if I could elaborate on one thing, like with this little spreadsheet is like, I'm like a visual guy. And, you know, the, the, the other tab on this spreadsheet is like an at a glance calendar, uh, you know, uh, January through December. And at a glance, like I, I have this printed off and I'm looking at it right above my uh, computer screen here. I could periodically look up at it, look at the month, and see what application um, periods are going on. So I'm like, oh crap, I got to get in for the the Wyoming preference points only or whatever in July. Um, so that that's something that's like was super. It, it's always valuable to me throughout the year. And um, you know, I don't know, like Brian, like I'd be willing to share this thing with anybody. So like, if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm sure Brian will. Maybe have that in a note or whatever. I can email it to you. But th- th- this has been super helpful to me. But um, this whole idea has developed substantially with like Eastman's Tag Hub and other platforms that are out there. But um, I'm doing it kind of the redneck way, and it works good for me, man. It's pretty pretty simplified, you know. <laughs> I love that the redneck way. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> I have had those dates written down every year since uh, I started traveling out west. The deadlines and um and, and you you know when you have one coming up that you need to dive into your research and figure out where you're gonna apply for. For sure, absolutely. Yeah, yep. that's a game changer. That's so smart. Um. Yeah, so started studying up and um, building points and then moved out to Colorado. And then, um, man, it was a, a just a heck of a velvet deer that you arrowed this year. Um, that that was incredible. And um, talking to you before the podcast, it sounds like you put in a bunch of time in your scouting this year. That, that scouting and boots on ground and learning the terrain and learning those bucks' habits and behaviors uh, pays off big time, doesn't it? No doubt, man. Um that that deer hunt was that that was the second animal um the elk hunt was first okay and it all went it all went down um the first week of of september but yeah a lot of scouting went into the to the deer hunt and that was you know the the elk hunt was new country i was kind of blazing we were blazing a trail you know i like finding elk um but the deer hunt was absolutely 95 percent scouting five percent hunting um so yeah, totally two different styles of hunting. Um, one was in my backyard, um, you know, an area that I could get to in 20 minutes from the house, and the other one was way up in Wyoming. So totally two different styles of hunting, but yeah, both very exciting in their own respect. Yeah, it looked like uh, where you killed that that deer. It looked like uh, quite a bit of timber, at least where he died at there, um, which can make scouting kind of tough. Like, what were some of your scouting tactics uh, throughout the summer? Did you find a a bachelor herd of bucks and keep on them? Did you set trail cameras, or how did you go about your scouting and learning that area and uh, dialing in that that giant buck? Yeah, so um, this was this was not a. Uh an alpine hunt. Um, I live at about nine, 9,200. And, um, this was a, you know, subalpine hunt, um, kind of, um, I guess in the front country folks call it here in, in Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, in the foothills. And, um, yeah, so it was kind of just broken up, uh, pine timber forest and, and meadows, like kind of more or less elk, elk looking country. And, um, yeah, every, every morning in August, I have a job that has some flexibility. It seems like the folks in my world and on my industry start a little bit late and I'm a early bird. So I'm typically up working, working out at the gym, but, you know, come August, I'm, I'm, I'm typically behind, uh, you know, telephoto lens and binoculars. And, uh, I was able to, um, turn up, um, several bucks. In fact, the buck that I shot, I had picture trail cam pictures of the previous year and um, relocated them in kind of like a long, skinny meadow in, in, in the timber. In, in this particular area, I was able to 
observe them from a distance. And um, I probably had about 15 days um, where I would, where I was out in August where I observed these deer. And, you know, one cool thing that I did this year was I was using the Onyx um, line distance tool, not, not for me, but for the deer. Um, and I, I color coded them. Um, I had one buck that I was using blue and the other buck I was using red and I was just kind of putting their trajectory um, as I observed them through these meadows. And, um, you know, as you start compiling data on Onyx, you see where there's like higher concentrations of where these deer, you know, kind of hit a certain bottleneck, for lack of a better term, and, and, and intersect more than others. And, uh, Obviously, that gives you a pretty good idea of where to ambush them. And, um, you know, from there, just kind of drew a little uh, polygon in, in that area with the uh, area shape tool on Onyx and made a little, um, uh, you know, ambush area, for lack of a better term, and was able to kind of get some distances with um, that line distance tool in terms of bow shots. And, uh, man, like, that uh, was probably the greatest key to success was like never impacting that area. This year I didn't run trail cameras. I more or less observed. And um, after the elk hunt, um, it was going to be a hundred degrees that day. And uh, my buddy that I was with from the elk hunt was, was in town with me before he flew back home. And I was like, dude, let's make a move on this thing despite being hot. And we got up in there and uh, my buddy uh, first time in there actually spotted the deer first. And it wasn't even light out, and the deer were bedded um, probably in the first beds of the day. It's just so dang hot, and, and, and they were kind of out in some isolated pine tree area, like kind of abnormal, where they would typically feed back into the thicker timber through this meadow. Um, and we, we went up to that ambush spot that I identified, and, and sure enough, they came through looking, I don't know, man, just looking really weird, just kind of um, worn out. Like, you know, kind of head down, like kind of um, just looked really hot and worn out. And that time of the year, the year they're like kind of like looking a little haggard, like switching coats. They just kind of look real rough. And uh, anyways, they, they, they came through that little ambush area. And um, dude was, there's not much to this story. Just was able to put a sweet quartering away, 20 yard shot, never knew we were there, had the right wind deer went like 25 yards and piled up and that was the show was over but you know i contribute all that really to just knowing what they were doing and uh just getting right in the middle of where they're heading and we we're lucky that after that elk hunt they were still on that same pattern got up moving to a secondary bed probably back into the thicker timber and we were able to make a shot and that, that was it <laughs> man that's crazy cool um like uh, yeah. uh, creative thinking is rewarded in Western hunting, you know, and it it's not like there's more than one way to to skin a cat, you know. There's more than one way to kill a buck, you know, and like that's yep. Yep. you know that's not like a a typical uh uh you know plan that I would make to kill a buck, but it it was really intelligent. Like you staying out of there, not getting your scent in there, never bumping the bucks, being able to observe them from afar. Uh, was your first yep. like like good solid move that you made you know and then like I love what you said about that line distance like you'd spot that buck had him color coded and then you'd draw a line where you saw that buck walk and so then you could look at this this information that you gathered through your 15 days of scouting these different bucks in which direction they were headed so you were able to identify like you said like this bottleneck point so it's almost like uh, pulling a, a a, a trick out of like a, a, a whitetail hunter's bag. It's like using your whitetail skills for Western hunting, uh, but, but e being able to implement it into Western hunting and then, um, you know, seeing those bucks that day and then sneaking around to your ambush spot and, and to have those deer work into you. It's so nice when, um, like I, I love stock spotting and stalking animals, but I love when you can stalk into a position and then let the animals make the mistake, you know, like stalk into a place and let them feed into you or work into you. And that was just all your knowledge from scouting is that you knew they were going to head for that meadow and then head for that cover. And um, you were in a spot to like ambush them in between there, you know, and then to set up in that spot and then, you know, it's, 
it's not easy to remain undetected, and that's for whitetails or mule deer or whatever it is. 20 yards is close to be able to get your bow drawn, multiple bucks there. But it seemed like uh, they just weren't alert at all. They didn't They didn't even know that, that somebody was hunting them because you had stayed out and you'd stayed low pressure on them. So when they were walking from that feeding area, they hadn't been spooked all morning long. They were working into that deep cover. They hadn't seen any signs of hunters, no scent, anything like that. So they were just mule deer being mule deer. And then you let them work right by you and put a perfect shot on that thing. Man, it just doesn't get any better than that. No, it was killer, man. And, and, and yeah, they, their guard was down. They weren't expecting it at all. Like they were just kind of get me out of this heat, man. And, uh, and yeah, you're right, man. So like, I, like I'm big on trail camera, like I'm a trail camera fiend. And I think if I was in there, you know, messing around, like setting it up and checking cards and all that stuff, like that wasn't really going to do me any good. I mean, like I knew they were there. I had pictures of them from a distance and, you know, trail camera pictures are sweet, but I think that was a big part of it, just staying out of there, just watching them, you know, long distance. Man, I think you're right. Yeah, that uh, low impact. Um, and, yep. and the best time yep. to kill a buck is your first play on them. You know, after they know you're hunting them or after they know you're on them, uh, you know, they they um, they they act different, you know. But that, that first chance at those bucks or that first chance at, at that trophy bull or whatever, I really think that's your best chance to kill them. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. White tail or mule deer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, such a solid move on your part. So uh, that happened after your elk hunt. It sounds like you uh, stacked together a pretty good early season, uh, killed that buck and that bull uh, uh, pretty close proximity to not uh, proximity as far as distance, but as far as timeline, um, killed them pretty, pretty yeah. close to each other. Yeah, one week. One week. <laughs> what a week. Yeah. Yeah, stacked, stacked September. I went all in. <laughs> ah, man. So so this elk hunt was a touch different. So um, sounds like you went right. to Wyoming. So you'd been building points and researching this place. Have you, had you ever hunted it? No, never hunted it. But my territory for work is Wyoming. So I spent quite a bit of time up there. Have a pretty good lay of the land, um, but have done, you know, when you're talking about five, seven years of points accumulation, obviously you have some time on your side to do some research. <laughs> so, yeah, so this was uh, this was cashing in on six points. I maximized my points for this particular area, and that's always something that you feel like you have to do um, just because you waited the time and spent the spent the money. And uh, yeah, so that 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 turned out. Um, to be a uh, like a six a six point hundred um, percent draw tag there for uh, the type nine archery hunt. Man, right on. So like um, six point six years of waiting to um, get this tag, and so you'd done a bunch of e scouting and identified different locations that you wanted to hunt, different camps you wanted to hunt. Like kind of dove into the unit and knew it before you ever got there. I imagine, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. So we had a pretty good idea of where we wanted to be um, in the national forest. Um, and, you know, we had some, you know, I guess for the sake of time, it's probably like a, like a two beer conversation, I'm sure. But to, to kind of fast forward, obviously we, we, well, not obviously, but we had some really high quality elk hunting comparatively speaking to the over-the-counter Colorado hunting that I was used to um, it, it seemed to be wildly different in terms of elk behavior and bugling um, surprisingly in that first week of uh, September it was it was quite fired up uh, I mean significantly different than what I'm used to in Colorado um, the elk were actually bugling and, uh, it, and there was very few people um, that we were mixing it up with. So, anyways, yeah, the first the first two days we had some close calls. You know, got in the friend zone with them. Um, you know, probably a hundred yards, maybe even fifty yards, um, twice. Uh, but in terms of the um, the actual uh, like the har the harvest day, that that occurred on. The, the third morning of the hunt and I'm looking at Onyx as we speak and maybe just to 
paint a topographical picture for listeners. Um, we're hunting like the predominant feature um, was like an east-west uh, mountain ridge, 9,000 foot mountain. Um, and, and we were camped. We were spiked off of a, a, a perpendicular uh, finger ridge. There are several, you know, like little drainages going to the south. Mm-hmm. And we were up on a little finger ridge. And um, down in the bottom was a very large meadow, probably 800 yards long. And it was a picturesque golden grassy meadow with like a spring creek coming through a bunch of brook trout in it, you know, beautiful elk habitat. And the elk were always mixing it up down there. And man, the night before the elk were bugling until like two o'clock in the morning, like it lost its uh, (laughs) coolness after a while. I'm like, would you guys shut up? I mean, they were bugling all night long and, um, you know, intermittently I might've got like four hours of sleep. Uh, and, and that morning we were drinking coffee as the sun came up and, uh, you know, an all too familiar bugle ripped off down in the, in the meadow. And we were like, Oh boy, let's do it. So, um, my buddy and I kind of set the coffee aside, you know, didn't take the bags, wasn't up too far of a run down to the meadow. Um, and, uh, you know, I just took like the, the lid of my pack with, you know, water and my tags and kill kit and my bow. And, and we started heading down there and, uh, you know, the, the plan was he was going to stay about three quarters of the way up the little finger ridge. And I was going to, you know, wiggle my way down the, that finger ridge and find a good shooting lane. And, uh, I got down there and um, found this like little like rock outcropping. It it, it like kind of jutted up about like I don't know ten fifteen feet and provided me with like a sixty to seventy yard shot to my left and maybe like a thirty yard shot to my right. And just about the time I was like settling in, my buddy starts cow calling up behind me and uh, it got spicy. Um, that bull, that that bull just started like consistently bugling, and uh, he um, was closing some distance, and you start hearing those like twigs like popping, and you're like that he's committed, you know, like you hear like big branches like breaking off of his antlers. I'm like, oh man, so I I started seeing some legs coming down. Uh, underneath the pine trees and it was to my right to the shorter distance and and I had to like kind of like 180 pivot and uh he started coming up the hill like up that little 25 percent where I was at and there was this like substantial trail that was going to kind of cross behind me almost and uh he uh he comes all the way into about 10 or 15 yards and he stopped behind a super dense pine tree. And to make matters like even more like heart pounding, he freaking rips this bugle off right in my face. <laughs> so so I, 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 I just like slowly start putting tension on my string and like easing it back. And he like juts out from behind the pine tree to go towards the cow call. And, and I hit him with a cow call and he just like swings his antlers right at me at like 10 yards, man. And my whole site housing was just brown. Like I couldn't, you couldn't even like really focus on anything. It was like literally like almost point blank. And I mean, I knew it was right behind his shoulder, like right in the crease. And I just boom, let one off and smoked him. And he wheeled out of there, went crashing back down through the timber for quite a while. You know, you could hear him crashing through there and it just kind of went silent. And, um, yeah. And that's where like, obviously like the heart beating in your throat and excitement and overwhelm all those feelings come like crashing in man so yeah that it was it was it was an amazing experience and to have them at that distance bugling in your face it's just it's pretty ridiculous man dude that's so intense um 
Yeah. God, I just love elk hunting when it's like that, you know, like like they're so nomadic and and the rut ebbs and flows. And and so the rut, like, you know, it starts the beginning of September and runs all the way through mid-October, but it ebbs and flows in there. And sometimes you hit highs of the rut and sometimes you hit lows of the rut. I mean, it can be smack dab in the middle and, um, you know, it, uh, September 20th, and I've seen bulls by themselves, but when you can get into those super parties like that, where they're really mm. doing their rutting and they're bugling and they're, they're doing their deal, you found it, you know, like you say, they kept you up all night long doing the, uh, the rut party down in there. And then, um, oh. to time it perfectly yeah. and hear that bull bugle and drop down in on them and, and not call to him the whole way, like make a setup. And like, there's, um, there's a certain mood that you can catch those bulls in where you can call them in like that, you know, where they are yeah. fired up. They've been rutting all night. There's a bunch of elk around, like you're in them and, um, few soft cow calls and here he comes. But boy, to, to keep your metal too, like when that bull's, uh, 15 yards and he screams right in your face like those are the most intense moments that i've ever been a part of you know especially like you say with tension on the string and all you want to do is get an arrow in that bull and then to have him read the script and walk up that ridge walk to your buddy and then have you cow call and stop him right there and put a good arrow into him man that's the ultimate that's like uh that's the reason why we all do it and sometimes that payoff can be years down the road sometimes there can be a bunch of close calls where you just need them to take a step or uh just need them to to come through this window and they don't you know so when it when it all works out it it like feels like magic you know and like you say even after it goes down you just kind of sit in disbelief like wow did i just witness that and it's it's some of the coolest moments of my life and whether that's you know bow hunting or like anything out in nature like fishing does the same thing for me is like when you catch those magical days you see things things through your eyes that it's like n- nothing that you can pay money for. Like, I, I mean, I guess you could pay to hunt some private ranch where there's a bunch of action or something like that. But it's just something that's that 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 comes about in nature. And it comes from, like, spending your time and paying your dues and being in that right place at the right time to be able to see that through your eyes, man. There's just nothing better than that. It's so wild. Yeah, oh, dude. Yeah, it, was, it, it was an amazing experience. But... You know, just just to kind of elaborate on that and, and maybe talk a little bit about the um, emotional roller coaster that ensued after the shot. Some some interesting stuff went down that's maybe I don't know noteworthy for a listener. But um, obviously, like you're fully stoked, like we just talked about, like just mind blown with what just happened. And you know, you, you see that 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 level of experience goes down. I, I it's weird. I'm like, um, maybe don't come across as like excited to somebody afterwards because I'm like, so, um, I don't know, like, uh, making sure that we follow through and do this correctly and recover the animal properly. So like, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a done deal. And Mm -hmm. you know, when my buddy came down, he's like, what happened, man? He's like, I was like, I shot one. He's like, well, tell it to your face. You know, like I'm not, (laughs) I'm not looking too stuck. Like I look probably like I'm going to throw up, you know? And, um, so anyways, like whitetail hunting, man, I've been on so many recoveries and, 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 and whenever I pull the trigger, the, the show's not over for me. And, and um, you, you got to make sure you do that. Right. And it, it turns out. So, you know, we, we played it safe. We went back up and got into our coffee and packed up camp and bought ourselves some time and took up the trail. And, and, and sure enough, you know, the um the excitement and 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 all of that started turning to some uh concern right because we're heading down the trail and man there's not blood you know there's there's little drops um that we followed for 100 yards and some some footprints and some turned up you know soil and whatnot and we're like dude this maybe like it all happened so fast and so close. Like maybe we should just give them some time in case we hit them, hit them back. And we want to make sure this recovery is right. So, um, so we actually packed out of there. Um, we're, we're three miles in and rallied the troops a little bit, got some guys with rounded up and went back in there. And, you know, like I, I've been on a lot of track jobs where, everybody's all stoked. Like we, okay, we, where, where's the last blood and people just kind of go off scatter and like, and 
every direction and maybe um, um, trampling on tracks and, and covering sign. But, you know, I, I wanted to be re- totally respectful of everybody's, you know, hunting uh, and tracking knowledge, but I also had to kind of take charge of the situation because it's a big deal, man. Like this is a big bull and, you know, something we got to do right. So um, kind of took a little bit different approach to this. And um, we, I, I got on the Onyx and um, again, man, drew like uh, um, the, the, the line, uh, or I'm sorry, like the, the, the shape tool and, and created a, a triangle in the direction um, that we expected the bull was heading from the last blood in a 500 yard triangle. And, um, you know, we, we, we lined everybody up for a grid search and I put on my tracking tool and we, we uh, marched to the very end of that 500 yards. And, um, you know, we had guys about 10 yards spaced out, 10, 15 yards. And uh, I used the line distance tool and put their tracks uh, where they cover to rule out that area. Then we pivoted, kept doing it back and forth. And uh, ruling out areas, man, this bull was harder to find than we expected. And he was on the very far corner of that triangle, 500 yards out. And um, the cool thing about it was, like, we we painted that. We painted that area to rule out everything. And there was, like, literally no sign of where he ended up. Like, he was going through some, like, grassy meadow areas that are hard to track in with no blood and, and, and some thick stuff. And, and he was in this little divot, this little depression at the very edge of that triangle. And, and I think, I mean, I owe that, I owe that success to that strategic approach and covering all that ground. Um, pretty cool way to, uh, you know, fulfill that dream of, you know, shooting it. I mean, I, I I've got a, you know, not the way I, I, I want to tell this story, obviously, but um, it happens. Uh, you know, you, you shoot them. It, as it turns out, that shot was a little bit more quartering away. Entered where you want it, but it went, like, back and through the liver kind of type of deal. And, and yeah, just not, not the shot that I wanted, but the recovery was strategic and, you know, wound up to get my hands on that. Big old bull, man. He was a good one. Yeah. Uh, well, and I appreciate like the like the honesty. Like, um, it it's good when you share stuff like that. Guys can learn from it. And and you're right. It's For not sure. a done deal. These um on any animal, but especially on elk. Elk are the toughest animal on planet Earth. You know, and the uh, lungs, harder mm. liver, and they die. But if you don't get that, like you got maybe a ten percent chance to get them. And and even lungs, heart, and liver. Sometimes it's amazing how far they can go with a good shot on them. You know. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. keeping your wits about you. Yeah. Like, uh, 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 not getting too excited and losing your mind when you shoot an animal or shoot a bull. And especially like, I always like once I yeah, get a shot at an animal, it's like, uh, uh, be snapshotting, you know, what you saw in that moment. Where did that arrow hit? Where did that bull run off to? Where's the last spot you saw the bull run to? Where were you standing? Where was the bull standing when you shot him? There's like all these details that can be lost in that fog of adrenaline if you're not paying attention. Pretty soon you're, you're hiking over you're trying to get a look at the bull or whatever the case is and you lost where you were standing where the bull was the last place you saw him like you lost all those details and those uh those details are going to be what what helps you to recover that animal and then like you say uh, it takes such tracking skill that's developed throughout years to be able to to not only follow blood but to follow those tracks and i i notice a lot of times too even with good shots these animals don't start bleeding for 50 to 100 yards so if you didn't pay attention at which direction he ran like you're going to have a hard time even turning up that first drop of blood you know and so yeah there there's there's so many things like that you that you have to do correctly and then i love how you how you backed out of there like those decisions you make on your tracking job are going to determine whether or not you get that animal or not and, and to back out of there after giving him 30 40 minutes and going let's just give him some more time and make sure he's dead and that bull was probably dead in the edge of that triangle when you left there but still it's like that it, it it can take him a long time to die with a liver shot i hit a bull once and um there's this shot where i'll hit him 
uh, and I've done it with a handful of animals, and so I know the shot. But it's like a absolutely twelvering that thing. So uh, uh, halfway up the body, maybe a third up the body, tight to the front shoulder, like a perfect shot. But it's like that animal can spin or turn like as that arrow hits him, you know, and so then the arrow exits uh, low and back like on the liver back there. And for some reason, that low and back shot like that, I hit a bull like that that I thought I X'd and um, he was actually alive the next day. Like I started taking up the track that night. I backed out of him and the next morning I followed that blood trail and followed that bull to his bed like four or five hundred yards away and he was still alive. I had to put another one in him in his bed. And like you say, it's not it's not perfect. Like I love to run a perfect arrow through that elk and have him run off and die in sight and die within ten, fifteen seconds, but they're so tough and there's so many variables that you just have to do your best to execute and put your best shot on them and then you have to do your best to try to recover them and like um what you were talking about like uh, uh calling in uh reinforcements and calling in your buddies but doing it strategically like you went in there and took charge and had a plan you know this is your bowl and everything's on the line and guys this is how we're gonna do it and you're so right like even following blood with a buddy it's amazing your buddy can be walking on those tracks and disturbing them and all of a sudden you lose mm-hmm. the blood and you go back and now there's just boot tracks you can't even see where those hoof marks went into the dirt and so like uh, when you're when you're tracking an animal like you 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 really got to try to stay out of his tracks and really search for blood and then i like to mark blood you know throughout so i can get a line of where that animal's headed or a direction um and to be honest like like grid searches usually when when i'm going to a grid search like the the odds of recovering that animal go down drastically like the blood trail usually leads to that animal but it's just not a perfect world and there's not always a perfect blood trail that leads to him sometimes you hit him high in the cavity his cavity's got to fill full of blood sometimes you don't get an exit hole because it hits the offside shoulder there's all these variables that can come into play and that that even on a good blood trail you know it it can get sporadic at times where you're having to connect the dots maybe 20 maybe 50 yards in between blood drops you know because that animal was running or you know because of those variables or whatnot but just really smart on your part to like take charge and um to make that that triangle where that bull should be dead at and 500 yards is a long ways to go with a good arrow in them but those bulls will do it you know and to make that grid search to not have anybody messing up the sign in and through there and, and just like marking everybody's track so you're uh, like you say, I've been in that scenario where everybody just splits off and disappears and you don't see everybody. And then everybody comes back and goes, no, I didn't find them. And you don't even know where everybody walked, you know. You don't know how that area was covered. So uh, just so mm-hmm. smart of you, the way you made that uh, that grid search. Um, and I, I think it it uh, that's the reason why you found that bull was because your approach to that grid search, um, which is not easy to do. Yeah, I mean, without question. Um that that strategy was was successful. I mean, it doesn't always happen that way, like you said, but and it also doesn't always happen like it's on TV. You know, like it seems like everybody shoots an elk on TV and they run ten yards and fall over. But um, man, I could have swore that arrow just smoldered that thing. And and you know, being that close um, when your when your bow report and hitting the animal is almost simultaneous, like like just who the heck knows. Um, and, and with that thing being keyed up that close to me, looking at me, I'm almost certain that that thing simultaneously like wheeled, like you said, he wheeled out of there, potentially putting that arrow back. Who who knows? But long story short, wasn't ideal, but the uh, the recovery uh, strategy um, pulled it all together. So that I'm thankful for, man. Yeah, um, it, well, and it it was good enough. It killed that bull. Bulls are so tough, sure. man. They take a perfect shot. So the shot was good enough, you know, and and the recovery uh, was spot on, you know, like you're, the the whole way you went about that and approached that to recover that bull. And yeah, um, man, it's like like bow hunting. Um, it's so difficult and so challenging. It's the ultimate 
reward and it take you to your highest highs like having that bull come in all jacked up and bugling you know but boy it can turn to a bad scenario and take you to your lowest low pretty quick you know and and like you say um uh, that excitement starts to turn uh pretty quick you know when you don't recover that that bull right away and he goes farther than you think he should with that shot you know it's um but you got to just keep your wits about you and keep por- putting forth effort, you know, and, and and do everything you can possibly do. And, um, boy, there's a lot of guys that could have walked away from that bull and not recovered him, and he could have been laying there dead. But, um, you know, due to your uh, uh, diligence and then um, uh, discipline in that tracking, you know, able to recover him, and he's just a dream bull, dude. Congratulations. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, dude, he is. He's just like a super old, dark like super dark, heavy, real pearled, like all the way up to the beams, just super pearled. And, uh, oh, you can't ask for anything else, man. It was just, it was just a beautiful specimen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then you had a good team of guys to pack them out. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a haul. We were in there pretty good. So yeah, we got them out of there and (laughs) didn't recover from that one until a couple weeks later, but, uh, Yeah. yeah, elk are heavy, aren't they? Gosh dang it, man, they're big. My God, I was broken. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's so much fun, though. I mean, that type two fun. It's so weird, man. You just like always want to. You're always dreaming about it all year long, you know. <laughs> oh, isn't that it? Like you you get done and um, you feel fulfilled. You know, you had this great adventure, but the moment you get home, you're thinking about being back in the mountains and doing it all over again. And um, I, I'm sure like, a, a, you know, highlight to your hunting career, killing that bull and that buck. But uh, the work doesn't stop there, you know, and if you want to be consistently successful or repeat, uh, you got to get back at it, you know, and that's uh, uh, with your training and with your e-scouting and planning for next season and, and, and all the work that goes into it just to give yourself a another chance at success yeah no question it starts right back over man i'm i've been i've been laying out the the 2022 hunt plan thinking about how i can repeat that those memories man so definitely um definitely hooked (laughs) oh good for you yeah well i'm gonna have to save your points to get back to that spot in wyoming um sounds like it took six to go there so starting to look into your other states and and probably plan out for mule deer and elk now right yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, got got a lot of points for for deer in Wyoming. Um, those Arizona, Nevada, Utah are more of a long term plan, um, especially Arizona. That might be twenty years or something. Who the heck knows? But uh, like you said, there's there's a lot of good opportunities, especially if you jump into like the special draws in Wyoming, as you know. And uh, you know, Colorado has a lot to offer. So yeah, hunting right around home, um, and then obviously. Still doing the whitetail thing, man. I uh, I put in for Iowa. Um, I'm going to be drawing Iowa in 2023, um, and I just love chasing those those Iowa bucks. It's a whole different world there. I don't I don't know if you got much into whitetail hunting, but man, that's the um, that's the Super Bowl of whitetail hunting. <laughs> man, they build them big there, don't they? Like big, heavy, oh, dark horns. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, this this will be my third third go at it i go every four to five years so i okay. totally hooked on uh, iowa Love is that it. is that what it takes to draw a tag is like four or five years there in the unit that you like to hunt yeah so yeah specifically the unit that i hunt it's it's, it's the most amount of points so the the archery hunt specifically is the hardest to get into but there are a lot of opportunities in iowa where you can get them believe it or not um easier with firearms and uh some of the other units you can get in with one or two points but i i I specifically like this uh south south central iowa hunt in the public land it's it's lights out man big bucks oh wow yeah i was gonna ask um where you're hunting or not like uh uh, if you were hunting a a lease or buddy's place or hunting uh public ground but there's a quite a bit of public there too huh um relatively uh yeah so like that unit does have some some river bottom public land plenty of plenty of hunting um available but it is predominantly private but the 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 public land is where the timber's at and and that's where the deer go i mean when the cords cut you know and 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 running those corridors in the rut and you know we 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 go all out we're taking boats in we're taking kayaks in we're getting way in it's so much fun 
Dude, I love it. Yeah, uh, creative thinking and that all-in attitude uh, just goes so far, like uh, in in hunting in general. You know, like you say, like taking the boats in or um, just that extra effort uh, seems to pay off. But whitetail is like the ultimate chess game, man. Those things are super switched on, and especially those mature ones get to almost be like a different species. You know, and they get so good living in in their uh, routine or in these um uh in in their habitat like in these smaller tracts of land uh they figure out how to move through it being undetected you know and uh, and uh grow to maturity you know to be able to avoid you know rifle hunters and bow hunters for that many years man they got to be dialed on their game a lot of them are running nocturnal and so uh it's got to mm-hmm. it's got to be just the ultimate chess match uh, uh, uh like trying to to scout those deer, know where they're at, and then also, you know, where to set your stands and scrape lines. Like, there's so much to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you start setting your standards up in the four, four-year-old, five-year-old plus bucks, you know, it, it is a heck of a chess match. And uh, to outsmart one of those, man, you're, you're doing something. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a load of fun. I, I still I still can't get away from my roots in whitetail hunting. I, you know, I, 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 I do, I do it every year. Um, but I, I'm, I'm saying that my heart's now in the Western game, <laughs> living, living out here. So, yeah. Yeah. It's um, super cool though. Um, yeah. To, to be able to go back and chase them and, it's like, you know, all these different species and different habitats are what, you know, makes our hunting skill set better and makes us better hunters, you know, to to challenge yourself at different places and different species, you know, it's like, a, it's good for a guy and um, uh, especially when you love to do it as much as you do. And there's a reason why whitetail are the, the most popular game animal, you know, they're switched on, they're tough to kill, tough to kill mature ones. And, um, you know, they're available to uh, a lot of the United States, you know, so... Um, Sure, and there's sure. a reason, and they're fun to hunt, man. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yep. Yeah, good for you. Well, dude, it's been so fun connecting with you. Uh, I sure am glad I got you on the podcast. Uh, you wrote this um, article that I hope gets published in Eastman's about uh, OnX and using that tracking job, and I really enjoyed reading that article is why I hit you up to be on the podcast, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope so, too. Um yeah, I'm not the best writer in the world, but I mean, uh, nonetheless, it was, it was true pleasure getting on the podcast, man. And, uh, great, great getting to, to chat a little bit with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congrats on those, um, those awesome animals and yeah, uh, uh, you got my number. Let's make sure we keep in touch and, um, have you on again. Right on Brian. Thanks so much and ha- have a great night, man. Yeah. Thanks. You too. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Fun conversation with Chris. Um, absolutely killed it in 2021 and uh, going to continue to kill it uh, would be my wager as that guy puts in a lot of work and a lot of effort and um, and uh, some of those outside the box tactics for like that mule deer I thought were really smart and um, there's just nothing like that. That elk rut when you get into it and it's crazy insane like those are the days I live for. And uh, I was lucky enough to have some of those 2021, and uh, Chris and his buddy were definitely uh, lucky enough to to be in one of those major rut fests and then kill a great bull there. And I also liked his tracking advice using that Onyx. I think that's a great tip as well. Uh, so, yeah, just really good stuff from Chris. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Hope you guys did too. Um we want to thank our sponsors. We want to thank Savage Rifles. Just the best out-of-the-box accuracy. Uh, these things are just amazing. Great mountain rifles. That 110 Ultralight is amazing. Uh, really pumped on that 6.5 I built. Uh, thing is absolutely shooting. And um, I, I love the, like the, they do stainless steel, like wrapped in carbon fiber barrel. And um, gosh, all the, the uh, AccuStock, AccuTrigger, just great stuff from those guys. Uh, also want to thank High Mountain Seasonings. Uh, those guys just keep me alive during hunting season with that good jerky marinade or good jerky seasoning. Uh, just love that stuff. And so um, I have a bunch of that. They also have steak marinades, uh, snack sticks, um, summer sausage, about anything that you could need for your wild game needs. Uh, you can find there at High Mountain Seasonings. And thanks to Eastman's for their support. 
And um, man, we just keep cranking out these podcasts. Uh, gosh, I've got some some good ones coming up to you guys. Um, I can't wait and uh, going to go do the, the Western Hunting Expo. So I'll be at that show. Um, we're going to do a, a recording studio there. Eastman's has a booth. Super excited about it. So hopefully get to meet some of you guys there at the Western Hunting Expo. And uh, plus, I need to go there to pick up my tags they're going to give me. Uh, no, it's not true. Well, hopefully it is true. I don't know. I've never I've never drawn any tags from the, the show, but um, I'm going to get my name in some hats for sure and uh, see if I can't get lucky there and, and uh, pull a good Utah tag or got like a sheep tag would be absolutely amazing. But just going to get my name in some hats and um, hopefully they'll call my lucky name. I'm uh, going to record some good podcasts and, and um, again, hopefully get to meet some of you guys there. So uh, with that, Man, thanks for the support, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, podcast is continuing to grow, which is just amazing for me. Uh, we're um, seven years into this thing, uh, which is just absolutely wild. So I uh, really appreciate all the support. I'm trying to keep up with um, everything. It's like uh, construction and the podcast and then returning messages and um, just been busy around here lately. But uh, all good. Keeps me uh, out of trouble and training hard for this season, working hard for this season. So I uh, really appreciate the support, you guys. And um, man, with that, um, morning time today, I got to go pour some concrete here, um, pour a, a little slab inside a barn and um, be getting my run in here this this afternoon and, and shooting that bow. That thing's getting absolutely dialed, that V3X. Um, it's an amazing bow by Matthews. Super pumped on it. Uh, so been shooting that thing a bunch and uh, just getting excited for the opportunities. And I love having my name in these hats, like uh, being in on these draws across the West and seeing what kind of tags I can pull and what kind of adventures I'm going to be going on in 2022. So just super excited. And um, man, with that, uh, hope you guys are well. Hope you guys are planning your adventures um, also. And uh, we'll check in with you guys next week.